The NSA specifically targets the communications of everyone. It ingests them by default. The United States is not spying on ordinary people who don't threaten our national security. I'm just another guy who sits there day to day in the office, watches what's happening, and goes, this is something that's not our place to decide. The public needs to decide whether these programs and policies are right or wrong. It's entirely appropriate for a program to exist to uh, look at you know, foreign uh, data. What Snowden is trying to draw attention to is the degree to which we are on a road to total surveillance. The work we do is addressing directly threats to this country, to our way of life, to this country and to people who live here. You, you can't come forward against the world's most powerful intelligence agencies and uh, be completely free from risk because they're such powerful adversaries that, that no one can meaningfully oppose them. Um, if they want to get you, they'll get you in time. Hey, welcome everybody to nwczradio.com, Channel 1's Down the Rabbit Hole. My name is Big D. And I'm Brandon. And it is, of course, great to have everybody along. New week, new show. And I think yeah. we have a uh, quite the rabbit hole to go down today mm -hmm. with you on. Yeah, this is, this is definitely an interesting one. This is one, for me, this was one I, I, I'd heard of it. Of course, we all heard of it. We all heard the base of it. Well, you and Everything I lived else, through. You and I lived through this. Yes, but this was the first time I really dug into it and went down that rabbit hole to see what really this really was. Well, when it was happening, it was actually hard to figure it all out. Honestly, mm -hmm. the internet was st still relatively new. Cell phones were in their basic infancy, mm -hmm. what we were hearing, and it just depended on who you heard it from, but what we were hearing from the mainstream media and from the government is that this was the worst thing that's happened as far as a breach on the United States government in, in all of time. And yes. this guy was the worst individual to have ever been born an American and we should all hate him and look where he ended up. Oh, he ended up in Russia. Wow, that's that that proves it all right there. That that's what we were told. Yeah. It was. And I mean it was one of those things too. Oh look, he he went to Hong Kong and he released all these things. Now he's in Russia. All of this that he's this horrible, horrible person and he did all these horrible things, but it kind of glossed over what he said. Oh, yeah. In many ways. Well, yes. And I think that's why a lot of people still to this day, if you ask, oh, that traitor guy that released all the documents, you're like, okay, but what, what were the documents about? And they're like, well, I don't know. Yeah, it's just a bunch of government stuff. 
Yeah, it was a bunch of government stuff. A bunch of government secrets, which it. nobody should you know have access to and nobody should put out there because it aids our enemies. That's what we were told. Mm-hmm. And at yeah. the time, I didn't know who Glenn Greenwald was. Mm. I didn't read him. Apparently, he was a blogger and he was writing. He was sort of an independent journalist, but he was one of the, I guess, the best in the nation. But I didn't know who he was at the time. I didn't live in yeah. the UK, so I didn't know what The Guardian was printing. I don't know mm-hmm. any of these conversations, and nobody could get an interview with this guy because he was on the run. Yeah. No, of course he was because he became the second this hit and the second they knew who it was that released it, he was public enemy number one. Well, and he, he shot the top of the list. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> the manhunt, the global manhunt. Yes. Was on. Wait, if you do not know this story, wait till you hear how fast they can shut you down. And this was, again, well before the internet that we have now, well before any of the, the iPhones and the, the, the tracking. And the, this was insane what they did to this Edward Snowden. Yes, completely insane. And like you said, this was before we had all this. This was before everything was like it is now with the, the smartphones and all that kind of stuff. This was, this was crackberries. Oh, we had yeah. a little blackberry with the keyboard on it. These were old I mean, flip this, phones with no, that yeah. you didn't have, you couldn't take pictures. You could barely text. Yeah. So in the, the things that he was talking about that was being done with those is insane. When you start thinking about what we have now. And he predicted where we're at based mm-hmm. on the knowledge that he found. So what are we talking about? Let's dive into it. If you don't know who Edward Snowden is, or you've heard it in passing, this is a story that is well worth your time in really diving into. And I'll tell you right now, if you go to any of the video platforms, whether it be YouTube, Rumble, Brighteon, BitChute, any of them, and just type in Edward Snowden interviews, he has spoken multiple times for hours Mm -hmm. with almost anybody you can think of explaining his side of things and talking about technology today where we're at where we were at then why he did it why he's where it's fascinating rabbit hole to go down to hear it from his mouth but we don't have those interviews have been on like zoom or you know the equivalent of because yeah he's he's not allowed in the u.s Super encrypted, <laughs> very, very encrypted connections. Absolutely. Yeah, none of them are in person. He's not sitting down with anybody. These are all, yeah. over, all over video. So, all right, let's get into Edward Joseph Snowden. He was born June 21st, 1983 in North Carolina. And he was, you know, by all intents and purposes, a pretty smart guy. Actually, a very smart guy. Yes, very smart. And he went to community college, and then he went to the University of Liverpool, and he became a computer security consultant. Now, we're going to have to go back into a time machine here real quick. For those of you who weren't around in the early 2000s, the Internet it was not even remotely like it is now. No. A, you had to dial up. And everybody was on a phone line. There was no such thing as Wi-Fi. 
There was no such thing as cable lines to your house, just, you know, dedicated solely for your computer. There's no such thing as T1. None of that existed. Zero. And so, if someone needed to make a phone call, you were screwed. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Or if you were on your computer and somebody was calling you, A, either you were screwed or it would disrupt your service and screw up your downloading of, you know, from LimeWare or BearShare. <laughs> or the porn, the pictures. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's another thing. Back then, there was no such thing as any kind of computer. There was no like McAfee, no Norton. No. No, nothing. And if you typed in the wrong thing, your computer was basically taken over. Yeah, you would just it was done for. Floods, thousands and thousands. I, unless you saw it happen back in the day, you can't even imagine how fast those things. You had to unplug your computer. Yes. Because it would open up a floodgate that you just could not stop. You just couldn't do it. And then you have no, to go All in. of a sudden, it was just. Window after window after window of open with like just m more porn than you could ever believe. It was always porn. Oh, always. Every time. And it would come in like multiples per second. It wasn't like one yeah. popped up. Then it was just like like a deck of cards being just scattered at you. Yeah. And then when you once you plugged your computer back in, you had to go in and clean all that stuff out because they would leave permanent icons and all kind of stuff. So anywho. So Snowden at this time is in, in the infancy of personal computers and mm -hmm. in the infancy of organizations such as the government and businesses transferring all their files and all these things over to digital data, you know, backed up. There wasn't even a cloud then. This was all on hard drives. These are all in warehouses. And there was a time when probably one of the more popular jobs if you knew anything about computers, you could get a data entry job anywhere, anytime. Because yes. you just sat around all day and entered minutiae, mindless data from years ago of these companies so they could get rid of all the paper files. Yeah, which is not what Snowden did. And the one thing that was crazy about him was he didn't have a college degree. He didn't have all that. I mean, he ended up eventually getting one from you know, Liverpool, but that wasn't until much later. But he basically he found the loopholes there was oh, yeah. a loophole where you could get into like the cia nsa as a you know computer analyst if you were ex-military so he went into the military right. didn't quite work out for him <laughs> no but he went he tried he tried he did i mean he broke his leg in boot camp and then basically was given a medical discharge because he was supposed to be going. And it depends. I found different articles. One said he was supposed to be going into special forces as a computer like analyst type thing. But then once he broke his leg, they're like, well, that opportunity is gone now. Right. So he basically decided to take the medical discharge, took a medical discharge, and then realized that he could work for the NSA and the CIA without working for the NSA and the CIA by being... Uh, working as a third party. Yeah, because he ended up working for Booz Allen Hamilton, which was yeah. a contractor. Mm -hmm. But before that, he'd worked for Dell, and I think there was one other one. Yeah, He worked for the CIA as well. Mm -hmm. Same kind of thing. Yeah. So he was bouncing around, and he was honing his skills. And it, look, go back and look at young photos of Snowden. He was your typical computer geek. It doesn't surprise me he broke his leg in boot camp. No, no, no. Skinny, 
bobble-headed dude with with his glasses. And, uh, no knock on him. He just stereotypical yeah. behind the desk computer guy. Well, it's one of those things too. Is I mean, in his you know, one of the reasons he decided to go into the military wasn't just because he the opportunity for getting the NSA and CIA. It's also was because it was right after 9-11. Right. He was actually working on one of the bases in a writing code for a website. And that was where he, you know, when when the 9-11 happened. So he got to see it from the base, you know, and it was like not the explosions, obviously, but the reactions on the base. So that's when he decided to join. And by writing code for, for websites, for you that aren't old enough to know, <laughs> we used to actually had to write out HTML code to make a website. There was no Foursquare or anything like that. You literally had to write the code. Or hire somebody to do it. Yeah. I used to know how to do it, but it's been a long time since I wrote HTML. <laughs> Every now and then, I still run into an HTML website, and it just cracks me up. And I'm... I want to send him an email and say, please don't change this. Yeah. But anyway, so Snowden gets a job. And, you know, we're skipping through his life because it, yeah. where he came from and all that stuff, it's, it's interesting, but you can find that out on your own. There's a lot out there about it. The, the real story is, starts right here. Because he got hired on by Booz Allen Hamilton as a contractor for the NSA, which is the National Security Agency. And he goes to this facility in Hawaii. If you've never seen photos of this facility, it's, it's a typical government gray compound building that these guys would all show up in. I'm sure it was boring as all get out and you know, sterile and stale environment. And he was in there doing what he does, trying to set up national security, going through security files, writing code. He's doing all kinds of different things in there. Mm -hmm. If you hear him tell this tale, he wasn't looking for anything. He didn't go in with the idea of, I want to see what's going on here. This stuff came to him. He started noticing things. Mm-hmm. And they started asking him to look into things that he was kind of uncomfortable with and he wasn't sure was legal. But they assured him, hey, we're the government. You, you know, we can, do, we can do this. We can do what we want. Yeah, don't worry about it. We and make the rules. As he's plowing through this stuff, he realizes he's, he's on to something that people should know about. And we'll get into all of that in a moment, what he found. But he found this stuff, and so he started, well, actually first, he went to several supervisors and coworkers over a couple of month period and said, I've got this stuff. Have you seen this stuff? There's no way this is legal. Because a lot of this stuff they claimed was legal because of the Patriot Act, because of 9-11. Yes. So when 9-11 happened, we got the Patriot Act which said the government can now spy by kind of any means necessary on its own citizens if there's cause. If there's cause. Yeah. If there's and a reason. This, yep, and that's where this whole thing like hinges on. That phrasing right there. I mean, there's more to it. It's a lot more complicated than that. I mean, really, if you dig down deep into this, there's a lot of complication in this, and it's a lot more complicated, but in its down to its base 
basis, right down to the basics, it is that phrase right there. They could spy on their own citizens as long as there was cause. And when we say spy, we mean gather all your emails, gather all your voice phone calls, gather all your texts, which there weren't a lot back then, but if you were sending them out, they were taking them. Mm -hmm. They could tap your phone. They could turn your phone on. They could turn the speaker on. They could shut your phone down. They would track you based off of the, and this was you know rudimentary back then, but based off the pinging of the cell towers. They would intercept mail, physical mail. Anything they wanted to do, they were doing it. Mm-hmm. But the caveat was that they had to have a specific reason why. So they assumed maybe you were like Timothy McVeigh or you were plotting something or you were planning something. You know, there were certain languages that you were used. You were talking to certain people and they, they noticed this. And so they're like, this is a person of interest. Let's zero in on them. Mm-hmm. But that's not what they were doing. And he no. noticed this. He's a citizen. And he said, I don't remember ever voting on this. I don't remember this ever being presented as part of the deal. Nobody in the public domain ever consented to these measures or allowing this to happen. And as he asked around and said, I'm noticing this, I'm noticing all these things, he was told to basically shut up, keep your head down, do what you're told, and don't make any waves. Yeah. Which, I mean, is what we're always told, right? But, and that was it. And this is, and part of that's going to be another sticky point later on as we go is, you know, he, he brought up and said, Hey, this is an issue. Nobody did anything. What's your next step? Right. This is where I think the fork in the road happens because he could have gone further up the ladder and gone to the next level or maybe gone to a senator, somebody he could trust, maybe a lawyer, but he decided not to do that. He downloaded all these files and one day he just flew out of there and he flew to Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. Before he flew to Hong Kong, this is interesting as well. He wanted to share all of this information with the world. And so he wanted to give it to a journalist. But he didn't know any journalists. No. He read Glenn Greenwald's column, and he liked his column, so he chose him. Just random. So when he first started reaching out to Glenn, and he sent him a series of emails, Glenn thought he was nuts and ignored him. In fact, Snowden actually sent him an email with specific instructions on how to open an encrypted email that he was sending, that he was going to send to Glenn. Like, here here are step-by-step how you do it. And Mm -hmm. here's the password to get in. (laughs) And the password was, Margaret Thatcher is 100% gorgeous or beautiful or something like that, which nobody, if you've ever seen Margaret Thatcher... Nobody's going to use that as a, <laughs> as a password. So he felt pretty good about that. Nobody that has eyes. Right. Greenwald continues to ignore him. 
So when he gets to Hong Kong, he reaches out to this gal from The Guardian, who is a documentarian. Because he had watched a documentary that she had done, and he liked it. And it was a, like an expose on the UK government or something. He had watched a series mm-hmm. of them. So he reaches out to her. She's not sure this is legit, but she starts a conversation. And through her, he says, hey, I'm trying to get through to, I tried to get through to Glenn. She's now talking to one of the head writers at The Guardian. So there's sort of, there's three, now there's Edward Snowden and three, we'll just call journalists, who are sort of involved in this. When they finally sort of rolled the dice and said, all right, let's see what you have, they actually set up a meeting. It's like across the street from the hotel in some sort of uh, like a, a mall or something. And he said, meet by like this pla- plastic crocodile. <laughs> like it was like it's it was very spy versus spy kind of thing going on here. And they're all in there. There's a lot of that. Yeah, there's a, they're, they're expecting like this 60 year old kind of overweight, balding NSA employee with a bad suit mm-hmm. to walk up. And he comes walking up, and he has a Rubik's Cube, and he looks like he's 12 years old. Yeah, and, and that was one thing that I, I read um, was Greenwald. Basically was like, I thought you'd be a graybeard. And by graybeard, he meant basically he's somebody who has done their time at the NSA or CIA or one of them, you know, a spook who basically had retired and was more than likely dying. Right. And he's got, I've got all these secrets. I want to get them off uh, my chest. Yep. I want to get these off my chest. I got all these secrets and I want to get them off my chest before I die. But see, here's. They were not expecting of what, 26? Because nobody was thinking in those terms. And and thinking back now, it all makes sense because I remember those days well. I remember when, if you wanted a job in computers and you could type on a keyboard, you could get hired almost anywhere. I remember yeah. commercials on TV where it was the, you know, kind of old head of the company sitting behind his big desk and some guy would come in with blue hair uh, and look like a punk rock dude. And he's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm your new IT guy. And he's all, you know, showing him how to do the computer stuff. And the guy's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Just go out and do it. Yep. And that's how it worked because nobody outside of those who knew how to work in this field knew anything about it pcs were like brand new they were it barely became a household thing so it's hard to go back in time and remember that but there was a time when there was an entire mid to upper management of companies who had no clue what the it guys did none no none at all and and i mean it's kind of one of those things that one of my one of my favorite movies and I think it's a little earlier than that, was uh, Hackers. Oh, yeah. And in that movie, it gives you the whole idea where the lead ha- or the lead IT guy for the company that they're messing with is an ex-hacker because that's what they would do all the time. If you were a good enough hacker, companies would hire you. You know, you're that good with a computer, come work for us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That still works that way. Mm-hmm. If you're good at shutting down hackers or hacking, they will hire you to hack into their system and fix it. Yeah. And if you've never seen the movie Hackers, go watch it. So 
Glenn Greenwald and the gal's name was Laura Poitras. They are the ones who got this trove of documents. This was while he was in Hong Kong, he, and he got stranded there. So before we get into what he found out, let's finish that part. So he's in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he becomes a celebrity in Hong Kong. They know he's there. He's on the news every night, his photos everywhere, and he becomes sort of a national s- sensation story because they're all wondering, is he going to stay there? Are they going to cooperate with the U.S.? Because now the U.S. is on the hunt. He has, yes. he basically told the U.S., I'm the guy. Yeah. He, he was like, yeah, it's me. And his goal was to leave Hong Kong because it's getting kind of hot. His goal was to go to Ecuador. Never really found out why he was heading down there. I guess he assumed it was remote and safe. And maybe they had no I think extra, it was, extradition laws. Yes, it was the extradition laws. Right. So everything that I read, it was the expedition. Or the, yeah. He wasn't going to be sent back to the U.S. from there. Right. Well, in order to get there, he had to fly out of Hong Kong. And the not only did the U.S., but basically the uh, world, the world headquarters in charge of all passports, deleted his passport. He's persona non grata. He doesn't exist. He has zero passport. Yep. So he's... And they do this while he's in the air. Yeah. He's already got on a plane in Hong Kong and he's in route. Yeah. But because of what he did, he could not fly over the U.S. in any way. Right. Or anywhere that was friendly to the U.S., really. Any of the five eyes. Yeah. If he did, they could basically force the plane to land and arrest him. Oh, and they they would have in a heartbeat. Yeah. So anyway, he lands in Russia. No passport, nothing. And he uh, basically is at the mercy of the Russians. They grant him, I think it was, at first they granted him 30 days. Then they upped it to a year. Then they upped it to three years. And just last year, in 22, they made him a permanent citizen. He's not going anywhere. He's still alive, very much alive. And he's stuck in Russia or is in Russia. That's probably where he wants to be. It's the safest place for him, I assume. Yeah. And, and I mean, he'll never really, all reality, probably never be able to leave Russia. No. In fact, in several interviews that I saw, he has said over and over again, he would be willing to come back and go to jail. He even said he'd go to Guantanamo. If he felt he would be treated fairly and that the, you know, whatever punishment they met it out would be just and fair. He doesn't believe it would be. All lawyers have said, don't you don't even try it because they you'd be lucky to walk off the plane. Yeah, because if you don't remember this, this set off a worldwide. S storm. Meltdown. And even in the U.S., okay, so Obama's president, it didn't matter. Bush was melting down. Congress was melting down. The FBI was melting down. NSA Mm -hmm. obviously was melting down. Obama's melting down. You get over into England. Everyone's melting down over there. And in Canada. And in 
Australia, everyone's melting. China's melting down. Everyone's melting down because why? Well, let's go through why everybody was having a conniption fit. Once these documents started getting sifted through, here's sort of what came out of it. Well, not sort of. This is what came out of it. Mm -hmm. There was a top secret court order that the NSA collected the telephone records from millions of Verizon customers. Millions. Basically everybody. And, and this is one of the things, though. They only mentioned Verizon because that's the one that they had the proof of. But it really shows that more than likely Verizon wasn't the only one. Oh, trust me. If they couldn't get it, as we're going to find out, they just took it. They just took it. So that was the first thing. So if you were on Verizon plan, which most people were, you pretty much knew that all your phone records, everything you had done on your phone, the NSA had. Yes. The NSA accessed and collected data through, this is key, back doors into U.S. Internet companies such as Google, Facebook, and others, but those were the two big ones, with this program called PRISM. And we're going to have to do an entire show on PRISM one day because PRISM is deep. Yeah. The thing is, too, is that there was Google and Yahoo were the, first, were the ones mentioned. Yahoo actually fought them. Yes. And took them to court and said, you can't do this. And Yahoo lost. Well, yeah, because it's the government. They'll do what they want. Yeah. And when they say backdoor, they basically hacked in and just like a like a dam, they just poked a hole in the backside and let everything leak right into their coffers. That's exactly yeah. what happened. There, there's pretty much one where there's evidence in one place. It was one of, I think it was AT&T's, one of their main facilities where pretty much the NSA, well, one of those NSA, CIA, one of them basically just had an office above them and their there was a split on the information coming yeah. through the internet and went straight up to. And they would sift through it with, with uh, this yeah. was before AI. So there were actual people sitting there monitoring this and sifting it and putting in the, you know, files and so forth. Yeah. So all those nude pictures you've sent, somebody in the NSA is looking at them right now. Oh yeah. They, they probably got a, a <laughs> they're probably the run, the ones who run like only fans and stuff. Yep. Also, found through this was an 18-page presidential memo which shows that President Obama ordered intelligent officials to draw up a list of overseas targets for cyber attacks. You say, well, that's not that big a deal. Oh, it's a big deal. Because this was before any treaties. This was before any understanding between nations. As far This was highly illegal. Highly illegal mm -hmm. for any nation to be setting up any kind of hacking into another government, it, it was completely off, off the hook. It was out of bounds. Yes. There were documents that revealed the NSA's boundless informant program, which gives the agency near real-time ability to understand how much intelligence coverage there is on certain areas through the use of a heat map. Now, that's a lot of words to basically say they knew in real time. Like, if you were a true person of interest, they literally had a heat 
map of you. They knew where you were, what you were doing at all times. Anytime your phone pinged, anytime you sent an email, any, it alerted them. It went, it went ding, ding. It's like an alert on your phone now, text messages coming in, in real time. And, and if I'm sitting next to you and you're a person of interest, quote unquote, my phone pings next to you, now they're watching me too. Oh, yes. So, and it could be that we're hanging out together or we just happen to be sitting in tables next to each other at Denny's. Right. I, I may not even know you. You're sitting behind me. But my phone pinged next to yours. Yes. So now I'm... Now you're caught into the dragnet. Yep. Uh, there was also big problems in Britain, obviously. So at their GCHQ, which is their intelligence agency, kind of like our NSA... They intercepted phone and internet communications of foreign politicians attending two G20 meetings in London in 2009. <laughs> that's, you know, that's some spy versus spy stuff. And again, we're used to it now, but this was the beginning of this stuff. And actually, let's just get right down to the bottom line of this. What this did was blew the entire lid off this idea of this sort of faux security that... I'm texting you, you're texting me. I'm calling you, you're calling me. And that's just between you and me. It was all a lie, the whole thing. Yeah. Top secret procedures showed steps that the NSA must take to target and collect data from, quote, non-U.S. persons and how it must minimize data collected on U.S. citizens. Uh, Britain's GCHQ tapped fiber optic cables to collect and store global email messages, Facebook posts, internet histories, and calls, and then share that data with the NSA. So Britain's doing the same thing. They're going through all your email. They're going through your, the history on your computer. They're going through all your phone calls. They're going through all the pings off your phone, where you've been, where you drove to, how long you were there, and this is all being collected and filed away. NSA also had this program codenamed Evil Olive, and this got uncovered as well. This thing collects and stores large quantities of Americans' internet metadata, which contains only certain information about online content. Email metadata, for example, reveals the sender and the recipient's addresses and time but not necessarily the content or the subject. They got to that later, trust me. But the, right. but the initial, you know, we're talking early days here. Initially, they knew you were, who you were emailing, when, and, you know, what date. Also, the Obama, according to this, until 2011, the Obama administration permitted the NSA's continued collection of vast amounts of Americans' email and Internet metadata under the Bush-era program called Stellar Wind, which I had never heard of. You ever heard of Stellar Wind? Stellar Wind, yeah, it was definitely, it was, it was a piece of Prism. Okay, so it's an offshoot. Because yeah, I, I had heard of Prism. It's an offshoot of Prism, and they work together. They work hand in hand. Got it. The NSA spied on millions of phone calls, emails, and text messages of ordinary German citizens. I mean, you got to watch those Germans. They used a program called Fairfield, where the NSA intercepts internet and phone call data of Brazilian citizens. 
Monitoring stations were set up in Australia and New Zealand to help feed data back to NSA's X-Keyscore program. The NSA conducted surveillance on citizens in a number of Latin American countries, including Venezuela, Colombia, Argentina, Panama, Ecuador, Peru, and others. Germany's Federal Intelligence Services helped contribute data to NSA's X-Keyscore program. The U.S. government paid Britain's GCHQ roughly $155 million over three years to gain access and influence over its spying program. And it just goes on and on. France, Germany, they broke privacy rules. They had a secret internet monitoring station in the Middle East to intercept emails, phone calls, web traffic. The entire globe. What we, it's so weird because we always hear these days about, man, the, the internet is just this web around the world. There's nowhere you can go, nowhere you can hide as long as you've got a cell phone, an iPad or any. It was going on then. This was set up at mm -hmm. this time with no, there were no satellites. I mean, there were some satellites, but this was a massive web globally all coming from the United States under this crazy Patriot Act. Yeah. And, and that's it. But they were, and this is what our government does all the time. How many times have we seen it? Hey, we need to do this to protect you. And this is what's going to be what's in the bill. And you're like, okay, cool. Amazing. And then later we find out like now all of a sudden, oh, wait, what do you mean you can now spy on us? Oh, yeah, that, that bill we told you about, we forgot to tell you that, yeah, there's a clause in there that says I can spy on you now. Yeah, they hacked into uh, Qatar-based media network Al Jazeera's internal communication system. They spied on former Brazilian President Dilma Rousseff and Mexican President Enrique Nieto. Uh, they had a joint investigation by Pope Publica, Publica, the New York Times, and the Guardian finds that the NSA is winning a war against Internet encryption with supercomputers, technical know-how, and court orders. And that's the other part a lot of people don't realize, too, is, I mean, it's the U.S. government. So all of a sudden, if you're like, no, you, you, we're not going to allow this, they're just like, well, we're the government. You don't allow us to do this. We're just going to sue you. And we're going to win because we're the government. Yeah, Canada was involved. They have a CSEC. They spied on their own citizens, just like we were doing. They also using the five eyes, U.S., Canada, Britain, Australia, New Zealand. were spying on Brazil and the French. <laughs> it was a, and probably still is, a massive leak of all this illegal Internet spying going on but primarily what they what we really found out is that what we all thought was our own personal private information was not no like as a I citizen you know because if, if our government spies on i don't know russia or china that's been going on forever it was just done in a different form it was usually done by agents and secret agents and sneaking out documents and so forth. And if you get busted, hey, the government might back you up. They might not. They may pretend they don't know you. That, you knew that going in. This yeah. changed the game. Uh, they did it in Italy, Sweden. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. I can send you that. This list is just it's massive because 
There were thousands and thousands of documents that Snowden took out and then leaked a bit at a time. I kind of equate it to Elon Musk and the Twitter files. He didn't drop them all at once. They came out in these series. Now, what's interesting, if you read the official government narrative on it, they will say he took millions, and he adamantly denies that. Yeah, according to the government, he took millions, and there's still a lot that he hasn't released, which, I mean, I would not be surprised if he has more that he hasn't released because there might be reasoning. Maybe he didn't release them because there is stuff that is damning to people and could cause pain and suffering to, you know, innocent people. Or it's his insurance policy. It could be. It could be the, what do they call it, the kill switch? Mm-hmm. There was also NSA harvested millions of faces from web images. So any any of the pictures you put up on Facebook or like Brandon said, any of those photos you sent to your boyfriend, girlfriend or whoever, they gathered all of those and they're using them for facial recognition database. So yeah. illegally shouldn't have been doing it. And it all dropped. Now, according to Snowden, he says... He doesn't even know the number, but it's certainly not millions. And he believes, this is according to an interview I saw with him, he believes that they're afraid that he has more because there's probably something in there that they haven't gotten to yet that would destroy a lot of people, you know, a lot of politicians, mm-hmm. a lot of agencies. And they can't specifically say, hey, do you have this? But it hasn't come out yet, and they're still looking for it, and they don't know if he has it or not. So they're trying to cast this you know, wide net. Oh, he took it all. He took all of it. Yeah. The one thing is, if you really look, and there's a lot of people that are like, oh, what he did put a lot of people in danger, did a lot of – no. From everything I can find, anything he put out, it wasn't like he found a list of – secret agent and you know handed it to someone and, and and posted it no he just basically came out and said hey your government's doing illegal crap and spying on you yeah that's basically as far as i'm concerned because we all lived through it i remember when it happened i don't remember ever feeling in danger now they will say he gave out some specific military information and that there was you know some classified information that could be harmful to the government and to world peace and you know all this kind of stuff maybe i haven't seen it Is it's that? harmful to the government because it's the truth oh yeah because the truth does hurt <laughs> truth can hurt real bad sometimes it's harmful to your government when the truth is oh hey by the way we've been illegally spying on you for years and using the the guys that it's for your own safety. Yeah, and for the good of the country. Yes. The greater the good. good. We're going to spy on all of you because we're just trying to keep you safe, you know? We're going to take and all your emails, we're going to take all your information, we're going all of it because well there there could be an insurrectionist and there could be a bomber amongst all of you. And it's for the greater good. That basically is, hey, you're guilty until you prove yourself innocent. Mm-hmm. And, oh, hey, by the way, if we decide we don't like you, which we, we've seen a lot these days, if they decide they don't like you, they will dig up anything and everything, and they can manipulate it any way they want to make you look guilty. 
So what yeah. happened? What's the fallout from all, all of this? Besides Snowden never being able to come back to America, he's in Russia. I don't know if he's happy or not. He never really talks about that as far as I've seen. I, I no. know he probably wishes he could come back. I, I think he does. I, I think he wishes he'd come back. But like I said, most things I saw, he never really says that he's unhappy or happy or whatever. But like you said, I mean, he's he would not be treated fairly if he came back here. Oh, no way. No. He wouldn't be protected in any way, shape, or form, even by the people who you might think could protect him. Because even, look, a lot of people say, oh, Donald Trump thought about pardoning him, but he didn't. No. And Donald Trump has flip-flopped on him multiple times. He said he's the worst thing you know, ever. And then he was like, no, what he did was patriotic and great. And maybe I should pardon him. And then he's like, no, I think it actually it w wasn't a good thing. He's gone back and forth. Yeah. Joe Biden. Quite a bit. <laughs> you go back into the records, and Joe Biden was not the president at the time. Obviously, he was the vice president. He wanted Snowden dead. Yeah. Literally. He's the one that pushed immediately for flying around the world and capturing him and forcing his plane down to arrest him, dragging mm -hmm. him back here. They wanted blood. Joe Biden was pissed. Yeah. If Biden had his way, it would have been completely different than what happened. Oh, I think it would have been a kangaroo court and he would have been tried for treason and probably killed. And I think Snowden knows. I, that. I don't even think he, I don't think he would have been tried. I think if Biden had his way, it would have oh, been, yeah. he would have had an accident in Hong Kong. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and part of the reason, I mean, he picked Hong Kong because Hong Kong technically is a part of china kind of kind of but it's and that was it because they didn't have extradition and they were a place that was as close to neutral that you're gonna get yeah he was very strategic mm -hmm. about how he handled the releasing and where he went and where he was going and all of that he's not dumb no not one bit so the fallout you're like wow this must have changed a lot of things this must have once this got exposed and, and the citizens knew this was going on, there had to be called for changes. There had to be some laws that were reversed or put into place, some sort of safeguards. Well, according to Jeffrey Stone, who's a law professor at the University of Chicago, he says, in terms of actual programmatic change, talking about in the U.S., regarding the Snowden effect, there's been relatively little. Stephen Vladek, law professor, University of Texas, Snowden's disclosures ironically probably produced a more sustained legal effect overseas, more in Europe's top courts than here in the U.S. Really nothing changed. Yeah. The only thing that changed basically is, is they decided that, oh, Instead of just breaking in, just instead of hacking into Google, Facebook, and now Apple and all these others, you know, Yahoo, whatever, we, sh we need to ask permission. Verizon, yeah. you know, any, all, the, all the people that they were just, Ill it wasn't even illegal, they were just doing it. They were just hacking in, like, we'll take that. Or we didn't even tell them, we're just going to hack in. Now they have to ask. Well, that's why you hear a lot about these days this sort of collusion between big tech and government. It reminds yeah. me of when the government was involved heavily 
in the Mockingbird project where they had CIA agents at newspapers, at TV stations, at the movie the- at the movie studios checking scripts, changing scripts, telling them what to say, feeding them stories. That's what's happened here and it's a sort of a wink and a nod. Well, we're just we're going to ask you, but if you don't if you don't obey, we'll make up stuff. We'll shut mm-hmm. you down. We'll fine you. You'll be in contempt. You know, we all know you're doing stuff that you're probably not supposed to be doing and we'll find it and we'll find more. We'll make up stuff. Mhm. Well, and that's the big thing is that you get a lot of people that once this all came out, he's like, what's they're like, what's the big deal of the government, you know, watching us? If you don't have anything to hide, what's the problem? Because the thing is, is all of us do something that's just a little bit. None of us are completely and totally do everything by the book legally. There's going to be something we do just a little bit bad and a little bit. Well, that just opens the door. Right, and now, yeah. according to this article, this is The Hill, the issue of surveillance reform didn't emerge at all in the presidential race, and after twice approving symbolic measures to end alleged backdoor spying of Americans, the House voted against making changes to the law in a sign that renewed concerns about terrorism outweighing privacy fears. And according to this Noons, he says, I believe most Americans have a good understanding of the threats we face today. They support the intelligent community effort to keep our service members safe and our homeland secure. See that? Oh, that's Devin Nunes. That's Devin Nunes. Mm-hmm. So he's like, well, of course you want to help us because it's all about keeping our military safe, you safe, everybody safe. Because we know, I mean, the biggest threat's not coming from outside it's from within we've been told that over and over it's either maga or it's white supremacy or citizens who are upset about the the biggest threat to america not the border not china not al-qaeda not it's right here it's your neighbor and so of course you agree with us that we should continue this which they're projecting, you know, your agreement onto you. Of course mm-hmm. you agree, right? You agree, right? Yes, you do. Of course mm-hmm. you do. Yeah. It's an insane it, it, story. It is. And uh, it, actually, it's still going on. But the amazing thing is, you know, like, he, like this guy brought up in here, very little change. It's not even brought up hardly anymore because... We talk about, you hear about the Uniparty, you hear about the political machine. It rocked them to the core. It exposed them on many nefarious levels. It was every conspiracy theorist thought come true when it comes to government spying on citizens. Because the average citizen, if you're reading the newspaper, or you, back then it was Yahoo News. Mm-hmm. Or um, what was what was the other one that we got all the discs? AOL. It was AOL, oh, AOL. news. Yep, America Online. Yeah, America Online. And unless you're in some weird chat room, it wasn't allowed on Facebook. Nobody was putting this stuff on. The people back then were still putting cat pictures and their dinner. That they was it. They still do that. 
Yeah, but it was way more prevalent back then. There was, I, I don't remember any politics. When I was first oh, yeah. on Facebook, it was, you know, like, I'm at the movies, and here's my buddy, and we're fishing, and here's what I had for dinner, and how's your grandkid, and uh, I'm graduating. It was that stuff. Yeah, now it's all politics and people, the most judgy people in the world yelling at people for being judgy. Yeah. <laughs> See, I haven't been on any social media for years. I hear about what's going on there. I mean, I'm not sorry that I left. So I leave that up to all of y'all to, to wade through. But if it wasn't for like the comedy stuff and the fact that most comedy stuff is done through Facebook, it would I would be done with it because it's just, it's a cesspool. Yeah. So the debate that rages in most circles pro and against what Snowden did. Because we're like, what, 10 years, 11 years past this? This all mm -hmm. went down in between 2011 and 2013. So we're like 10 years removed. Was or is, because he's alive, is Snowden a traitor? Could he have done it differently? Or... Is he a, a hero, I guess? Is he a patriotic citizen of the U.S. who was doing his duty as a citizen? What, what, are, what do you think? I honestly think he, he was doing his duty. It's one of those things that, for me, as I'm researching it and everything else, he did, you know, supposedly go to, you know, try and go to his bosses and go to other peers and say, hey, are you seeing this? This doesn't look right. Is this legal? And nobody would do anything. And then he knew if he went against the government, what was going to happen is exactly what did happen. So if you look at what he did, he didn't release anything really that put anyone in danger from what I could tell. He, When he went to Russia, there's still never proof, no proof at all that he has ever handed anything to the Russian government. And he's lived there for 10 years. Right. This was never about going against the u.s it was about telling the u.s citizens hey wake up look and see what your government's doing this is what the government is doing behind your back you need to see this and to me i mean it's classic whistleblower that he did what he needed to do and the hard part is is a lot of times whistleblowers in the moment and for the first couple of years they're seen as a traitor and everything else one of the most famous traitors whistleblowers is benjamin franklin who is now considered a patriot and one of the the forefathers of our country rightfully so but in the before that he was considered a traitor for blowing the whistle yeah that's true so i mean it's kind of one of those things that you know what snowden did was illegal 100 percent. but sometimes what's legal isn't right I'm 100% with you on the fact that Edward Snowden is an absolute patriotic hero. He will go down in mm -hmm. history as a giant of the tech age as far as being a whistleblower. His time will come. Yeah. I believe he saw the writing on the wall in going to his coworkers and going to the managers and the people around him he saw what was happening and i believe and he was i believe he was right in 
realizing and recognizing right away that if I went to the next level, A, I'm going to get shut out of this. And then it's just my word. I could just go out and do interviews and people are like, well, where is it? Where's the proof? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he stole it. No doubt about it. He downloaded it illegally. But nobody has a problem when somebody does this for some shady bank or some shady financial institution or you know, some shady car business. Or, so if somebody's skimming money or they're doing business illegal and somebody takes some records out of a file or a thumb drive and they take it to the authorities, hey, they use that in court. Mm-hmm. And now we have whistleblower protections. Yes. And I, I believe what Snowden did was attempt to, and I don't know that he was successful. In fact, I could probably argue that he wasn't. But Snowden really wanted every citizen to know that you, A, you did not vote for this. There was no consent given yeah. from the public at large to the government to wholesale spy on anything and everything you were doing privately, publicly, it didn't matter. Your innermost thoughts on emails, your phone calls, taking images of you for facial recognition, knowing where you're at at all times, being able to turn your phone on and listen in. I mean, that's what we hear about China and that's what we hear about you know, they didn't have cell phones, but you hear about this in Nazi Germany and during Stalin where they would go around and they would have people listening through the walls and they would have recorders in people's rooms. And everyone was like, that is so horrible. How would anybody do that? Our government was and is still doing that. Yep. And that cell phone you have, that is, I have one too. There's no safety in that thing. There's no privacy in that thing. In fact, it's just a hot beacon <laughs> wherever you go, whatever yes. you put on it, whatever you drop on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever you do, anything you look at, they can tap right in. They can turn your camera on. They can turn your recorder on. They can, Anything, anything they want to mm-hmm. do. Are they doing it? Yes. Yeah, I think the average citizen is under this false delusion that, well, I'm not doing anything wrong, so they're not doing it to me. Well, they're not doing it until they decide you might be doing something, then you will know good and hard that they've been there the entire time. Mm -hmm. It is a wake-up call. Ten years later, we're still, in fact, I would say we're worse now. Yeah, because now we have AI. We have AI and we have apps. There were no apps back then. So all the apps you have on your phone are constantly updating, constantly working in the background, and that is pinging off the nearest tower. Ping, 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 ping constantly. So even mm-hmm. if you shut your phone down, like you put it into dark mode, and you, you, you set it aside, it's still communicating at all times through apps. You notice if... You set your phone down, it goes into the dark mode, but when you get a text message, all of a sudden there's a little green bar that comes up, says, ding, you got a message. That's because you're in constant communication with tower, tower, tower. They know, they know. Mm -hmm. And every tower 
is communicating with each other and it's all around the world. And so, hey, the NSA, our government said, yeah, let's use this. Yeah. So, and it's completely despicable. 100% despicable. And I do think when the history book is written on Edward Snowden, he will be seen as a, moder- as a hero of this age. Just because a lot of laws and stuff and everything hasn't changed because of it, he at least exposed it and put it out there. Because if it hadn't been for him, we would still be operating completely blind. Now we're operating willingly, I would say. You get a cell phone, you download apps, you now know what they're doing, and so you're in agreement, okay, I'll do this. I know it's happening. Before, we were operating under the assumption that this was my phone, these were my emails, this was my phone call, and it was personal. Like it was just between me and whoever I was, you know, talking to or texting with or whatever. And that was not the case. So, yeah, it's not just the phones. It's everything. I mean, if you have that neat new fridge that will take a picture and show you what's inside of it, the 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 nest that tells that you can update your the, the temperature in your house from Istanbul, whatever. Oh, yeah. Any of that stuff that's Wi-Fi connected. It's the Internet of Things. And, mm-hmm. and they, yeah. you, you are not the sole proprietor of your Internet nor your Wi-Fi yeah. stuff. It's open for anybody. So, All right. Well, email us. Let us know your thoughts. Down the RH at ProtonMail.com. Down the RH at ProtonMail.com. And Brandon... You have the midweek, so we'll look forward to that. I do. You and I will be back next week with a brand new episode. In the meantime, everybody, have a great week. I'm Big D. I'm Brandon. We're out of here. See you later.